Welcome to Visiting Professors, this issue focusing on gastrointestinal cancers. This is medical oncologist Dr. Neil Love. On this series, we arrange for clinical investigators to visit the practices of community-based oncologists where they attend special CME clinics of patients who are then discussed on our program. To begin, Dr. Dan Moriarty from Summit, New Jersey, presents cases to Dr. Johanna Bendel, beginning with a 50-year-old man who presented with an acute abdomen and was found on colonoscopy to have an obstructing lesion 14 centimeters on the anal verge. At surgery, a large tumor was found to extend from the rectum to the sigmoid with a question of adherence to the pelvic sidewall and multiple local nodes seen on post-op MR. The patient was diverted in surgery and a decision was made to start neoadjuvant chemotherapy. We started him on Fulfox. First cycle, didn't hear anything about him, came back for a second cycle and he kind of relates this chest pain syndrome that he had on the second day of the infusion, kind of sounded cardiac, it was sort of chest pressure, mid-epigastrum up to the chest, usually with exertion, went away with rest, took aspirin, but went away primarily with rest, but occurred three or four times over the weekend that he was off the pump. Cautioned him about possibly this being cardiac, but we put him back on the pump to see what would happen, and sure enough, he came back in on day two, having chest pain, Brought him to the emergency room, he was worked up. He didn't have any STT wave changes consistent with ischemia, but man, the history was just suggestive of ischemia. So his third cycle of Fulfox, we admitted him to the hospital thinking, well, gosh, if we can see ST elevations, this is his coronary spasm, at least documented. So we brought him to the hospital, gave him his treatment in the hospital, and sure enough, he didn't have any pain. We unhooked him, he went home, chest pain. So he had chest pain really following the removal of the pump, he had already been sort of hooked up with our cardiologist and non-invasive study wasn't diagnostic for ischemic coronary artery disease, but I was really worried that he had coronary spasm from his 5-FU and more worried that he's, he was obese, he was overweight, he had a family history of heart disease, his triglycerides were like 500, his sugar was 200. He had other risk factors, so he ended up being cathed and Good news is that his cath showed no fixed lesions, either in the right coronary artery or the left in the left branches. But I'm still absolutely convinced that this was coronary artery spasm. We looked at his tumors. Tumor was 25, 30% better. We could get the scope through the tumor. So we kind of bailed on the infusional 5-FU and started him on capsidamine and radiation therapy. And we put him on calcium blockers. He had some chest discomfort when he was on his capsidamine, but not a lot. Got through the six weeks of radiation and chemo, and then set up for surgery. His preoperative sigmoid showed what appeared to be a complete remission of the local disease. There was no disease seen. He underwent surgery. They did a mesorectal excision, and his pathology, unfortunately, still showed a YP3 tumor. He had microscopic disease, but he had five out of 22 lymph nodes that were positive. Microscopically, there was a treatment effect, but they were still positive. He had had no chest pain when he was off any of the 5-FU products. Obviously, he had a response, but he still had a very high-risk disease. I still wanted to complete his adjuvant therapy, so we ended up treating him with capsidabine and oxali for an additional four cycles, kept him on the calcium blocker, never developed significant chest pain, though he had episodes, and finished his treatment. Another couple months, they rehooked him, and he's currently doing well. He's NED, feels well. He has no chest pain off any therapy. 
And right now we don't have any, certainly, evidence of active disease. He's a year out from his diagnosis. So, Johan, I'm curious about your thoughts about this case, particularly the issue of the chest pain. Yeah, you know, it's very rare to happen, but this coronary artery-induced vasospasm by 5-FU can be a problem for patients, especially because 5-FU is really our strongest chemotherapy for most of the gastrointestinal cancers. And when you lose that possibility of being able to treat people, especially a young gentleman like this where he's curable, it poses a significant problem. Interestingly, only about 1% to 2% of patients do we see this in usually and classically associated with ST elevations that are associated with 5-FU. And it doesn't necessarily happen during cycle one. It can be cycles two, three, four later. It doesn't always happen when the pump is on. It can also occur, as we saw with this patient, once the pump is discontinued and tends to go away once the 5-FU clears. We also see an incidence of this with capecitabine and not just 5-FU. And we're not quite sure what exactly the mechanism is. So the question is, what do we do? Can we retreat patients? Can we rechallenge patients? What might help? And I think the workup here was very appropriate. They sent the patient for cardiac cath, found indeed that he did have no lesions. We also want to check a troponin and a CKMB because oftentimes with the coronary artery vasospasm, we don't see a troponin leak. So meaning no myocardial damage would make you feel safer for potentially trying to retreat this patient. And then doing exactly what you did is admit him to the hospital, give him another cycle in the hospital while keeping him on telemetry. For this gentleman, he actually didn't show those symptoms while he was on telemetry. But then I think what you also did was a very appropriate thing, which was to start him on calcium channel blockers. So there's been some literature suggesting trying calcium channel blockers and or nitroglycerins while the patient's receiving the 5-FU to perhaps ameliorate the coronary artery vasospasm that these patients can have. And for this patient in particular, that really seemed to help him. And so I'm very pleased that your management got him through his treatment and now he's diseased free. What's your experience, Dan, with this over the years? You know, he was the second patient that I've treated who I'm convinced had coronary artery spasm. The first patient was many years ago. And he actually did show, as Joanna was saying, ST elevations, which is kind of what you see in the syndrome. And every time we were treated, he would develop significant chest discomfort. I kind of bailed out on him because it was too... um, (laughs) I can't remember the exact setting, so it was a long time ago, but he had more, he was older, I'm sure he had fixed lesions and spasm on top of a fixed lesion, and I was more worried about him. This guy I was worried about, but I certainly felt uncomfortable not giving him more 5-FU after we saw his surgical results. Johanna, what's new in management of localized rectal cancer? I haven't really seen too much since sort of Oxali kind of crashed. Yeah, I hate to say that. I don't think there's much new outside of that, just knowing that there's no benefit to giving oxaliplatin with fluorouracil and radiation for patients. And I think we're still using continuous infusion 5-FU or capecitabine with radiation therapy, followed by four cycles of full FOX outback. There was finally definitive information at the GI Cancer Symposium this last year that said you could interchange 5-FU and capecitabine with the radiation therapy. There's also discussion about whether or not surgery is needed for patients who have a pathologic CR by biopsy, by proving it by biopsy once neoadjuvant therapy is completed. That data's been around for a little while, but I think a lot of us are not ready to yield to that at this point. But that's about what's going on in rectal cancer right now. 
How about the use of just Folfax pre-op? So there's been some discussion about looking at just chemotherapy as your preoperative therapy, possibly better for the high rectal tumors. And definitely, and we were discussing this when we were seeing patients, you have to have a surgeon where you know that surgeon's going to do a good surgery, right? Because you want to make sure that the patients have a proper TME and that it's done well to really decrease that chance of local recurrence if you're going to be giving up the radiation component of it. But I think clinical trials are where we're going to look at that. What about imaging in these patients as part of the staging? How do you currently approach that? So for me personally, our institute does endoscopic ultrasound for the rectal cancers to do staging. There are other places that do. And I think, Dan, we were talking that you guys do the MRIs and the rectal coil MRIs. Both of them equally appropriate. just depends what your site specializes in. All right. One final question. Just kind of curious about this man. You know, he went through some unexpected problems, not only in having this cancer, but with this coronary spasm. Any observation on him as a person, Johanna? He's a tough cookie. A really nice guy, almost salt of the earth person that knew he had to deal with this to get to his cure. And really interesting because he's starting to change his lifestyle. He was borderline diabetic, definitely a coronary artery disease at-risk person. And now that he's gone through this entire experience, is changing his life, changing his diet. He said he just bought a new pair of sneakers to start exercising, but it's been too cold outside so far. But it really shows you how for a young person, an experience like this will change your entire life. I'm interested, Dan, on your observations about him. And also, how often do you see this phenomena where people you know, diagnosed with cancer, hopefully, you know, maybe it's going to be curable in this situation, but then they use that as a time to sort of rethink their whole lives. You know, Neil, it's so variable. I'd say definitely everybody is somewhat shaken with this diagnosis, but I don't think everybody's totally motivated to do something different once their treatment has been done, you know, particularly if they don't have metastatic disease. This particular gentleman is. I mean, I think he has good support. His wife has good support. His stepdaughter is kind of motivated to kind of try to correct those things that he can. And Joanna brought up the fact that just exercise four or five days a week, how important that is in reducing the risk. And I think that was important for him to hear. And I think that will make a difference for him. 